Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all today. I realize I get up here just about every week and never actually introduce myself. And so if I haven't had a chance to meet you in person, my name is Evan Shows. I'm the worship leader here at Epic. And I got to tell you, it is a privilege to come here every week and just lift up God's name and song with you guys. You're an encouragement to me. I love the heart that fills this place that you guys just love to worship God. You love to share his love with the people around you. So thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for joining with us today. And uh, each week as you come out, it's just, it's just a blessing to be here. So thank you guys very much for that. Last week, we began a new video series called Follow. Now, this is a series done by Andy Stanley. He's out of North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And they just have a fantastic ministry. Their content comes with a lot of truth, a lot of really solid foundational stuff. And we're excited to share that with you guys. We're excited to walk through this journey with you. And we would encourage you to stick with us through this entire series. It's a few weeks long. If you missed last week, you can go to their website, and he's going to talk about it when he starts uh, his message this morning. And I would encourage you to go to the website, pick up this, the uh, video that you might have missed last week, and then continue with us. Like I said, it's only a few weeks, and this series just has a lot of great content. Uh, last week, Andy talked about a couple of things that really stuck with me. The first is that being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. And he followed that up with being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. I was raised in a very traditional church background. And so that second concept kind of took me a little while to wrap my head around. But what I pulled from it is this, that no matter where our lives are, we don't have to get everything together and clean it all up and polish the edges in order to begin following Jesus. Jesus is going to step in and meet with you wherever you are. He's going to dig into the mud with us. He's going to get dirty, and he's going to walk with us along that path. And then we're going to change as we go. And so last week, that's really what I pulled from last week's message. Um, if you're new to a video series, then you can pull some great content from this as well if you do a, a few things. The first is I would encourage you to engage with the speaker as he's up there. I know it's a little weird to talk to a screen. If he asks you a question, you respond or to laugh at him. I promise you I'll be weird right along with you and do it from the back as we're watching the series. So don't be afraid to engage with Andy while he's up on the screen. Act like he's standing here and talking to us and just go along with what he's doing. Laugh along with him. Answer questions if he asks questions. You'll be able to get a lot more out of the series that way. The second thing I would encourage you to do is ask God, what do you have for me in this? Uh, he's going to speak to everybody differently. He's going to work in something specific to your life and in your heart. And so I'd encourage you just ask God, so what do you want me to pull from this? And really listen to what he might say to you. And then the third thing would be to talk about it with somebody. Talk about the series on your way home this afternoon as you're headed back to have some lunch. Talk about it around the dinner table. Get somebody else's perspective, see what they pulled from it, and then just let God kind of work in that. When you verbalize something, it tends to stick with you a little bit longer. And so definitely talk about it a little bit and, and make it real in your life. Now this week, Andy's going to follow on in the series and talk about the next steps that we take when we follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I felt God asked me to take a step that felt unbelievably irresponsible. Uh, it's a really weird feeling, really weird place to be in. God asked me nine years ago to move to Florida, and I said, are you crazy? I don't live in Florida. I, live, I was from the Northeast, and I had told God just a little before that, I'm never moving to Florida. I said those words. Don't say those words. <laughs> if you tell God you're not going to do something, I can almost guarantee you within a little while, you'll be doing it somewhere. <laughs> so um, I left everything I had up there. I had a solid job. 
Um, Carla and I were dating at the time, and she was going up to Massachusetts for grad school, but we were only going to be a couple hours away. Moving to Florida totally changed that relationship. I didn't know anybody down here, but I took that step anyway, and I, I trusted God to show me what was next, and I'm glad that I did. Had I not taken that step, I would have never seen God's plan come out the way that it has. Carla and I probably wouldn't have the same relationship that we do. My family wouldn't be as beautiful as it is right now. I wouldn't get a chance to be part of this amazing ministry that God's doing here in Palm Coast. And so when God puts those steps in front of you, whatever that next step is, I would encourage you to listen to him and take that next step. So that's what Andy's going to talk about this week. So um, I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we'll let Andy take the stage and take us on from there. Father, it is just a privilege to be here with you this morning. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to hear from you. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us through this series and through this message specifically this morning. Lord, that we would uh, hear how we can follow you and what it means to really follow in the path that you have for us. So speak to our hearts, make us soft, Father God, and we just invite you in this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to welcome all of our Atlanta area campuses, our strategic partner churches, those of you who stayed up late after Saturday Night Live and are joining us by television, all of you joining us online, and everybody that's actually in the room. Uh, we're in part two of a series called Follow, and if you fall asleep halfway through the message, or if you fall asleep and wake up and thought, wow, I slept so good, here's some good news. If you go to this website right here, you can watch this again, and instead of ambient, you can just like play this, it'll put you right to sleep, it's great. Anyway, um, we're actually gonna take the, every, all the messages from this series, and they'll be up at this website, and they will be there for the rest of your life, because that's kinda how the internet works. And if you um, wanna catch up from last week, if you're in a community group, and you guys are tracking along with us, and you, and, you know somebody misses, um, all the w messages will be here. Also, there are questions you can download associated with each question, so if you're in a Bible study, or you're starting a Bible study, or you're looking for curriculum for your small group, something in your dorm or in your apartment complex, all of this stuff will be there. You can watch it ahead of time, lead your group through the discussion questions. Now, uh, we're in part two. Last week, we made a couple of startling discoveries, and if this doesn't make sense to you, then you gotta go listen to last week's message. Two big discoveries as it relates to following Jesus. Number one is this, that being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, as we discovered, it is a prerequisite. The only people Jesus invited to follow him were sinners. In fact, they were kind of the worst of the worst. In fact, the better a person was, the less they were able to even understand Jesus because he kept inviting the most unlikely characters to follow. And secondly, and this was kind of the, you know, the, the, start, the startling discovery, is that being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. Now, this is a big deal. I don't want to spend too much time on it. We talked about it last week. But nobody who followed Jesus in the first century Nobody who followed Jesus in the first century initially thought he was the son of God. Nobody. They were all unbelievers in that regard. In fact, they just thought he was a nice guy. Had some interesting things to say. Hey, heal my mother-in-law. You know, heal my sister. You know, I'll follow. Who wouldn't follow? He fed us. Who, who wouldn't follow somebody who fed you, right? So nobody in the first century really understood who he was. And, and by our definition, they were just people who thought Jesus was a good teacher. And Jesus invited them to follow Anyway, which means this, if you're kind of hung up over the whole divine thing and can a person be God and all those crazy stories, here's the great news. You have been invited to follow. You really have. And you can lean in the direction of Jesus without being a believer, which means you could actually, and maybe you need permission for this, you can actually begin to read the New Testament without being a Christian. You can begin to read the New Testament even if you don't think it's true. You can believe, begin to read the New Testament even if you don't think it's inspired. You don't read anything because it's inspired. That's not the litmus test for what you read, right? You can start without believing. I dare you to do that. 
because nobody Jesus invited to follow him believed the right stuff initially. It came along the way. Now, the other thing that we discovered was that Jesus' invitation to follow was not a religious invitation at all. And here's why. The religion of his day, in fact, the religion of every generation invites you like this. Hey, change and you can join us. It's why some of you dropped out of church because you didn't feel like you were a good person, didn't feel like you were a religious person, didn't feel like a church person. So you decided since I don't act like a church person, I shouldn't be a part of a church. Since I'm not very religious, I shouldn't be a part of a religious movement. And then you decided if I'm ever gonna be religious again, I need to change the way I behave so I can join. That's the message of religion. And Jesus came along and this was very disturbing to religious people. But consistently his message was this, join us and you will change. Join us and you will change. Get close to me, follow me, take, you know, listen, take a few notes, and over time, you may look in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, I don't recognize that guy. I don't recognize that lady. Who is that? What's happened to me? You will change not because of discipline, and you will change not because you decided to change. You will change because people who were in proximity of Jesus, they began to change, and the same is true today. In fact, you're surrounded by people who, if they were to tell you their story of change, it would not be a, one day I woke up and decided I need to change, and I changed myself. You'll talk to people who said change was gradual, change was a process, and change was the, re- was the result of a relationship with a savior. Change was the result of experience the kindness of God, because as Paul wrote, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So, bottom line is this. this, this is the question we're gonna ask for the next few weeks. Am I following? Not how far have I gotten, not how consistently do I go to church, not how many verses did I read, but am I following? Not am I ahead of anybody or behind anybody. This is the question that Jesus followers wake up every single day and in some way, shape, or form ask. Am I following? Not have I arrived, you're never gonna arrive. Am I currently intentionally following? Now, today we're gonna talk about another uh, narrative in the life of Jesus where this whole follow thing gets kind of teased out. And I love this story because in this story, um, there, we, we find ourselves, all of us find ourselves, we, we find every stage and every element and every aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. Now, the interesting thing is if you've read much of the New Testament, you know, we have four accounts of the life of Jesus, which, which is extraordinary. There, we don't, there's no other ancient figure that there's this much information about. Matthew was an eyewitness. Mark spent time with Peter and gave us Peter's account. Luke investigated and interviewed a bunch of people, and John was an eyewitness. So we have four accounts of the life of Jesus. So some of the stories we have from the life of Jesus are told from different angles. So the story we're gonna, I wanna tell you today, Matthew tells it, and Luke tells it. Matthew was Jewish and was writing to primarily a Jewish audience, and so he gives us just the brief, the synopsis of the story. But it leaves you with a very unrealistic picture of what it means to follow Jesus. And I wanna read you Matthew's version real quick because this was the version I kinda grew up with, and honestly, it just kinda freaked me out. It would just sorta leave me thinking, I can't do that. And maybe this has been the approach you've been presented with when it comes to following Jesus. So I'm gonna read it really quick. Then we're gonna to go to Luke's account, read the same story, and kind of tease out some of the details. So here's, here's Matthew's account, written primarily to Jewish people who already had big faith, so they didn't need a lot of detail when it came to what God was able to do. So here we go. Matthew uh, chapter four. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, that's important, and his brother Andrew, who I'm named after, I think. Um, they were casting, uh, they, they, and then look at the grasp of the obvious. They were casting a net into the lake. Why? For they were fishermen. That's what they do. Then, so Jesus walks up. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. I'm like, 
what? Like, a guy walks up, you're working, stop working and follow me, and you just like, stop working and walk off? Okay, it gets worse. Going from there, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, the son of Zebedee, and this is worse. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing the nets, okay? Jesus called them. Hey, they're in a boat. Hey. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. End of story. See, that doesn't seem spiritual. That seems irresponsible, doesn't it? Hey, dad, the guy in sandals, we're going with him. Good luck with the family business. We'll see ya. Hey, hope this works out for you. Tell mom we had to go, you know, you know have fun storming the castle. You know, it's like, we're, we, we're gonna go. I mean, you read it, and I, I, mean, I grew up and you know, somebody preached a sermon, and if you love Jesus, you'll give up everything, and you'll just follow Jesus no matter what, and if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I'm like, we just may go with... Not at all then, because what? You know, it's like, like, can I finish high school? You know, what does, does, what does that mean? I mean, that is so extreme, like just you need to decide right now. And, you know, if you have any kind of conscience or you grew up in church, there's something in you that's like, yes, yes. Wait, no, no, it's, 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 it's just too much. Well, the good news is that's not the whole story. I mean, that's what happened, but that's not all that happened. So Luke comes along, and Luke is writing to people like you. Luke's writing to people like me, Gentiles, people who don't have big faith, people who need a little more information before we say bye to mom and dad and just walk off and leave the family business in somebody else's hands, right? So Luke gives us the detail, and Luke begins his gospel by saying, I thoroughly researched all this, okay? I talked to everybody I could, and here's the rest of the story. Now, this story takes place on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, here, here's a quick map. Sea of Galilee's way up here at the top, right? Then there's Jordan River, Dead Sea. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And here's Jerusalem. And so Jesus' whole ministry kind of happened right here, which is amazing. Impacted the whole world, just kind of went from this, this whole area of the world, and there's really nothing there. Now, the cool thing is, you can visit the Sea of Galilee. So I, I found this picture. Look at this. This is Sea of Galilee. Can you kind of see these mountains over here? You're looking like the short distance across. This is not a lake. This is the part you need to understand. This isn't a pond. This isn't even just a big lake. It is a sea. It is the Sea of Galilee. And if you visit the Sea of Galilee, you can actually rent a boat just like that, okay, and go out on the Sea of Galilee, which Christians love to do. Because so many of Jesus' stories happened around or on the Sea of Galilee. So a few years ago, I'm in Israel with Sandra and one other couple. We're just like, there's just four of us. And so we wanted to do one of these little boat trips, you know? So they threw us in with a church group because that's pretty much the only people that do this, okay? And so, <laughs> seriously, we get on the boat and they have Chris Tomlin songs, you know, pray, playing over the loudspeaker, you know? <laughs> Guys can barely speak English and, you know, they just knew this is the music Christians like, you know? <laughs> so we get on there and it's this pastor and about 12 or so of his church people and they're like a little kind of over-the-top Christian, the kind of Christians that make me just want to sit down and go, you guys are fine, I can't do that. What, you know, they're just so charismatic and they're so happy and they're dancing and they're on the Sea of Galilee and then the four of us are like... So anyway, so we're out on this boat and you know, it's, it's fun and it, it is special and you know, this is where Jesus was and so we, you know, they always stop the engine and have a little devotional time. This guy shared his story and they didn't know we're Christians and we're kind of huddling together because they're so... Christian, and, 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 and it was fine, it was just, anyway, so then I, I'm not making this up, okay, my wife is in the audience, I'm not making this up, we're sitting out there, and he gets out a bottle of water, and he pours it on the deck of the boat, 
He says, all right, let's all walk on the water on the Sea of Galilee. And then they start, woo, and they are all walking on the bottled water on the deck. He says, so don't you, and he's looking at us like, don't you want to go home and be able to tell your friends that you walked on the water on the Sea of Galilee? We're like, no, we really don't want to. But we are going to tell them this story. Don't you worry, okay? This will get back, but not the way you think. Okay, so anyway, so you, even today, can go to the Sea of Galilee and walk on the water. Okay, so that's just kind of context. So here's Luke's version for us Gentiles of what really took place. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, oh, Matthew, you left that out. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of, of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, same place, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Oh, yeah, so there's more going on. Jesus is actually preaching down by the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Now, this is really important, this word right here. Following Jesus always begins with information. Following Jesus always begins with listening. Following Jesus does not begin with leave your world and leave your lifestyle and just start following. It always begins with information. Now, this is really important because if you're part of a religion or if you're even part of a church or if you're even part of some brand of Christianity and they say don't ask questions, don't ask questions, just believe. You need to run away, okay? Because real faith and real Christianity is built on truth. It's built on teaching. It's built on listening. It's built on learning. It's not just built on faith. It is not blind faith. Anybody that says, well, you just have to believe, don't ask questions, you're following the wrong people. Jesus always built people's faith. In fact, Jesus introduced the concept of faith and a heavenly father around information, teaching, listening, and learning. So he's standing at the edge of the water. He's teaching these people. They're crowding, 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 crowding. You know, his feet are wet because they're, you know, they didn't have any stanchions. They didn't have a stage. He didn't have crowd control. And so he saw at the water's edge, he saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now let me explain this to you. What would happen is the guys, as we're going to discover in a minute, they'd fish at night. And then they'd pull their fish up if they had any fish, and they'd unwrap, up, they'd put their, stretch their nets out, and they'd put them on these wooden posts, dry the nets, and they'd go around and get the sunglasses and the beer cans and all the stuff off the nets, and they would clean their nets, let the nets dry, roll them up, take them home, and store them during the day, and then they'd be ready to go the next time around. So there's these guys, and they're working on their nets, you know, pulling the seaweed off and all this stuff, and they're listening to Jesus. And he saw that their boats were sitting there. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, the one belonging to Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. This is an important point. Hey, Peter, could I inconvenience you for just a minute? Peter, not asking you, you know, could, could I borrow your boat? Now, we don't know if Peter like tied a line and pushed it out or if Peter's sitting out there in the boat with him, but Peter's working, Peter's listening. Peter's working, Peter's listening. Now Jesus has a little distance from the crowd. He's out in the water a little bit. He's able to talk to the crowd. Then he sat down and look, and he taught the people from the boat because faith comes by hearing. Following begins with listening. Faith is built around content, information, getting your questions asked. That's always where it begins. And so Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John have been listening, listening, listening. When he finished, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said to Peter, now he could have said anything. 
He could have said, did you like that sermon? Yeah. Well, then leave your family and follow me. At least, at least he's got a little information. In Matthew's account, it's like, hey, let's go. You know, at least there's, but he didn't ask him to leave everything and follow him. He says this instead. Some of you know this story. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, this is very important. He asked Peter to do something Peter had done a thousand times. But he asked Peter to do it in a way he'd never done it before. Now, there's two problems with this, and you already know one of them. (laughs) Number one, Jesus, I don't know if you're paying attention. We just cleaned and dried our nets, not a casual endeavor. It's like, hey, let's go horseback riding, but I've already groomed my horse and put the saddle away. Let's go four-wheeling. Hey, I've already washed my truck. It's like, okay, have you not been paying attention? We just finished finishing what you do after you finish doing what you just asked me to do. Jesus is going, hey, Peter, let's go fishing. Now, Simon Peter's respectful, and you know, Jesus is a rabbi, but he's just another rabbi. There were rabbis everywhere. There were teachers everywhere. And granted, this guy was good. He was really good, but he's just another teacher. So Simon Peter very diplomatically says, and Simon answered, master. In other words, not Lord, not God, just, okay, you know, sort of Jedi, kind of master generally. There's a bunch of you, okay, master, respectful. Master, I, you know, um, we've worked hard all night. In other words, we've been fishing all night. And we haven't caught anything. Now, this is important. Back in those days, they fished at night. This was not a lake, it's a sea, very deep. So when the water's cool, the fish come to the surface. So when you're gonna fish with a net, since it's not deep sea fishing, you fish at night where the fish are. When the sun comes up, the water heats up, the fish go deeper. So you always would fish at night. They have been fishing all night. They have been fishing when you're supposed to fish and they've caught nothing. So they dried and cleaned their nets. They're about to go home empty-handed. Now Jesus says, hey, Peter, let's go fishing when you're not supposed to go fishing. I want you to do something you've done a thousand times, but I, I want you to do it differently. I want you to do it my way. I, this is, I'm not asking you to leave your family and your family business. I'm just, I'm just asking you to do something one time different than you've ever done it before. And we don't know what Peter was thinking. He could have been thinking, clearly a carpenter knows nothing about fishing, right? (laughs) Hey, that was a great sermon, but you know nothing about fishing. Jesus, I don't know if you've noticed, but you've gathered a crowd. When this crowd sees me going fishing in the middle of the day, they're gonna think I'm crazy. Now, you know what was at stake? What was at stake was whether or not Peter thought he could trust Jesus. That's why this next part is so awesome. But because you say so, not because I think it's going to work out, not because I think it's going to help my reputation, not because I think we're going to catch anything for sure, not because I think this is a good use of my time, not because this will ever be a story I tell, but because I've listened and then I loaned you my boat, and I listened, and I have just enough respect for you that I wouldn't do this for anybody else, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. Now, here's the part that we can appreciate a little bit, okay? And if you're not a church person or religious person, you, you totally get this. Imagine what hung in the balance of Peter's decision to take Jesus fishing. 
The reason we even know who Peter is is because in that moment, he decided, okay, this isn't that big a deal. I'm gonna trust this guy with this one opportunity to do something I have done a thousand times a different way. Now, for some of you, we're gonna come back to this in just a minute. That is exactly where you are today. There's that internal nudge, that elbow to the ribs, that conscience, that thing where God is just nudging, nudging, nudging. And like Peter, you have no idea what hangs in the balance. Now, imagine if, if Jesus could have you know, dropped the screen and said, Peter, Peter, really, seriously, take me fishing. Look what's gonna happen, Peter. If you take me fishing, look, look. <laughs> Peter's like, what's that? That's your tomb, okay? It's gonna be called St. Peter's Basilica, and guess what? You're St. Peter, I am, you are. You're gonna be St. Peter, and you're gonna be buried, and they're gonna build this monstrosity of a building right over where you're buried. Peter, take a look at the inside. Have you ever seen anything like that? Check it out. St. <laughs> Peter's Basilica, look, Peter, look right here. See these pews, what's a pew? Trust me, there's a pew, you know. <laughs> Can you get the scale of this thing? This is the miracle of the Renaissance. Peter, it's gonna take them 118 years to build this bad boy, and it's gonna be named for you. Will you take me fishing? <laughs> you can, heck yeah, you can have the whole thing, have the boat. I mean, what? Seriously? Yeah, it's going to be great, Peter. You see, Peter, just like you, just like me, had no idea what hung in the balance of a single decision to do something he had done a thousand times, but to do it in a way he'd never done it before simply because Jesus said, will you do it? You know this story if you grew up in church. When they'd done so, not when they had believed so, not when they had thought so, not when they had intended so, not when they had prayed so, because doing is what makes the difference. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that both boats, you saw both these big wooden boats began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, what do you think he did? I mean, did he say, Dad, woohoo? Did he say, hey, we don't have to work for four weeks, you know? Somebody buy a refrigerated truck. See that Jesus pew? I'm, I'm following, you know. What, but what, it's like, you know, you, you, the, the natural tendency is to get all geeked out about, look at all these fish. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, now this is amazing. Because in this moment, it's no longer about fish or fishing. He fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, not master, Lord. For I am a sinful man. And this is so important. See, if you haven't been paying attention, just, I don't want you to miss this. In that moment, Peter, for the first time, recognized who Jesus was. And in that moment, he recognized who he was, and this was the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus. He had been shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball, with the Savior of the world for maybe a couple or three hours. 
But it was not until he took this step, this practical step of faith, that suddenly his eyes were open, his heart was open, and he experienced something he never imagined experience, and it was like, oh my gosh. I'm in the presence, I'm in the presence of my Lord. And Jesus didn't say, and I'm so glad you figured this out. Because in spite of this, Jesus was about to say, Peter, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to them, to all of them, don't be afraid, because they're scared to death. Don't be afraid. From now on, in other words, I have a future for you. I have something for you. Now, this is very important. I have something for you, and I couldn't tell you what it was until you were willing to do something you had done a thousand times the way I wanted you to do it. And in doing so, your little itty-bitty faith and trust in me, because it's you, because it's you, your little itty-bitty baby faith in me intersected with my faithfulness. And now you know who I am. And now you know who you are. And now you can trust me when I say I have a future for you. But it all hung in the balance of a single decision to trust Christ with a single decision that reflected something they had done many, many times. He says, from now on, you're gonna fish for people. <laughs> to which Peter, Andrew, James, and John are like, what did he say? I don't know, but yes, yes, whatever. So they pulled up their boats, so they pulled up their boats on the shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. And you would have too, and I would have too. But not because he called you and said, leave everything and follow me. But because they listened. And then they inconvenienced themselves. And then they took a single step that allowed God's faithfulness to enter, you know, to, to intertwine itself with their act of obedience. And then they were ready to leave their nets and follow him. To which we want to say to Matthew, well, Matthew, if you had told us all of that, the story would have made a lot more sense. Now, I, I, I love this piece of narrative. I think I love it because of the difference and because of what it's done in my own life. But, but in this story, I, I think we find or I, I see kind of these four phases of follow. And I think all of us are in one of these four phases. Because following in this story, we find every element or every aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. And all of us, every single one of us are at one of these four. For some of you, you're simply at the sit and listen phase. It's just sit and listen. The fact that you are here, the fact that you're watching online or that you're watching on television, the fact that you're here today, you have actually, and I know you didn't mean to, sorry, you have actually taken a step to follow Jesus because following Jesus always begins with information. A following Jesus always begins with content. Following Jesus always begins by being informed. Christianity is an informed faith. It's not blind faith. That's silly. Uh, no, no, Jesus, uh, think of it. God would never ask you to express blind faith. Why would he? He's God. So, so following Jesus always begins with information. So some of you, simply by being here, are in the sit and listen phase. And one of the best things you could do, in fact, the thing you need to do to follow Jesus is just come back next week, to tune in next week, to get online next week, to maybe read that book that somebody gave you, to just get information and ask questions and ask questions and ask questions because that's how following Jesus 
And that's where following Jesus always begins. Everybody who followed Jesus in the first century followed with at least a little bit of information. And for some of you, a big, bold step would be to continue to put yourself in some kind of environment where you're getting the information to inform your decision. Others of you are at this kind of loan in the boat stage, you know, where Jesus says, Peter, hey, it's getting kind of crowded, can I borrow your boat? This is a little bit of an inconvenience. For some of you, you know what this is? You hear us week after week talk about starting point, starting point, starting point, you're like, yeah, I don't have time for that. It's an inconvenience. For you, that's your next step to follow Jesus. You've gotten enough information, you need to get some questions answered. You need to be able to sit in a circle and ask your hard questions. You need to be able to walk in somewhere and say, don't ask me anything, I'll ask the questions. Some of you need to get your Bible, find a Bible, download your version Bible app, and you need to begin to read the New Testament. You say, well, that's inconvenient. It's inconvenient, but it's not gonna cost you anything. You're not gonna have to change your life. You don't have to quit smoking. You don't have to break up with anybody. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to give any money. It is a minor inconvenience, but for some of you, you've been sitting and listening, and it's time to take that next step in following. Can I borrow your boat? I'm not stealing your boat. I'm not taking your boat. Can I borrow your boat? Can I borrow a little bit of time? Would you be willing to read the New Testament on your own? Would you be willing to get some questions answered? Would you be willing to actually follow through and get involved in a circle, a starting point circle, where somebody can answer your questions? And then... For some of you, it's to take him fishing, fishing stage. And this is where it gets real exciting. Because your heavenly father wants you to do something you have done a thousand times differently than you've ever done it before. And it will have something to either do with your relationships, your profession, or your money, more than likely. Something relationally, something professionally, or something financially. Something different at work, a different approach at home or a different, a different approach with your finances. And here's how you know what it is. Because you've been coming for a while and you've been listening and you've gotten some of your questions answered and every once in a while when you're praying or every once in a while when your mind is just tuned out, there's something on the inside of you and you think, I really need to, I really need to begin, I really need to stop, I really need to start. And you kind of in your own way know that in some way, it's not an audible voice, you're not even sure how any of that works, but it's as if your conscience has been tuned into something that it wasn't tuned in before because that never bothered you before, but it's starting to bother you. You'd never considered approaching relationships that way before, but you're, now you're considering it and you can't seem to get it out of your mind. There's a change you need to make. It's not change your whole life. It's just change one little thing that you're doing and it's as if it might be the voice of God and you have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to make that one change. You have no idea, but you've listened and you've learned enough and you've had enough of your questions answered to know there may be something to this and this decision to change a relationship, this decision to conduct business differently, this decision to handle relationships differently, this decision to be more generous, this decision is at the epicenter of what God wants to do in your life and he's beckoning you to take him fishing and you have no idea what hangs in the balance, but you are scared to death. And the Lord Jesus says to you, follow me. 
Come on, I'm not asking you to change everything. I just want to show up in your life because when your little itty-bitty baby faith intersects with my faithfulness, it's not going to be about the relationship. It's not going to be about the money. It's not going to be about the profession. It's not going to be about your reputation. It's not going to be about any of the things you're concerned about. You're going to go home. You're going to drive away. You're going to sit down and you're going to think, oh, my Lord, you knew my name. That was you banging on my heart. You actually paused and spoke to me. You care about me and your life will be different because you will have done, maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a specific way, you would have done what your heavenly father has invited you to do. And I don't have to tell you what it is because you already know and you've been scared and you've been saying no. And it's the next phase for you to follow. And then the fourth one is that whole leave your nets thing, okay? This is some of us, listen, I ah, got it, yep, we've had several of these where we've obeyed God and wow, look what happened. Then we had another area of our life, we obeyed God and look what happened. And then we got more generous and we obeyed God and you broke up with her and God honored that and you broke up with him and then you, you know, you've, you've had enough of these things and now it's time for you to just say, you know what, God, I'm just, you, I wanna surrender my whole life. I've been messing around, I've been playing around, I've been saying, okay, you can have this but not this, okay, now you can have this but not this. You know, and God, how about, to, you know, four of these, and I'm going to renege on this. And, and, and some of you are at the place where, you know what, you just got to quit playing those silly games and just say, Heavenly Father, my whole life is yours. My whole life is yours. Everything I own, my future, my relationships, God, I want your will in every single area of my life. Now, the point is not to grade yourself, that's not it. The point is, hey, this is like little baby faith and you finally got your thumb out of your mouth and now you, this, this, that's not it. The issue is, are you willing to take the next step? The issue is, what is the next step? Take it. What does the next step? Take it. Because, and this is why I want this for you, you have no idea what hangs in the balance. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. But it is in the balance of your decision that determines how real God is to you. How alive your faith becomes. It is doing, it is doing, it is doing that makes the difference in terms of your experience with your heavenly father. And so whatever the next step for you is when it comes to following, whatever the next step is, take that step. You do not want to spend your life wondering what God might have done if you'd said yes. You do not want to spend another season of your life wandering around wondering where is God and I thought God was real and what about all these stories and the issue wasn't God, the issue was your inability or your um, unwillingness to simply say yes to something you've done a thousand times but this time we're going to do it a little bit differently. Last night when I was you know, kind of getting all this message in my head, I was sitting in our living room and honestly this may sound kind of weird, but I, you know, I was raised this way. I mean, I was brought up in the church and I was taught these things since I was a kid. So consequently, I, I could literally take you all the way back to high school and talk about those kind of forks in the road where everybody went this way and I just knew in my heart it was just, Andy, trust me, Andy, trust me, Andy, trust me. And then I look back and I'm like, whew, so glad I did. College, the same thing, same issue, same temptation, same stuff. It's Andy, trust me, trust me, trust me, my way, my way, my way. And I look back and I think, oh God, I'm so glad I did. Single, you know, when Sandra and I met, you know, dating, getting married, early years, money, all, I mean, every area of life where there's those moments in time where it's okay, trust me, trust me, but God, that's too much, and God, that's too hard, and, and God, I don't know, you've, you, know, uh, you know, it's like I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And I look back 
And it, it, you know, if you've almost ever been in a wreck and suddenly your emotions catch up with what could have happened if you had only or if that had happened or if you'd gotten there too late, it's like that for me. It's like that for many of us. As we think about those times where we almost said, no, she's too cute. No, he's too rich. No, that's too hard. No, that costs too much. No, nobody else is doing that. No, that's my last spring break. No, we look back and we think, God, what if I'd said no? And that's why I want for all of you, with all of my heart, for you to pay attention to that little bitty, still small voice. You're not even sure it's God. But there's something in your heart that says, I think this is the next step my heavenly father wants me to take. You will never regret it. But if you don't take it, you'll never know what God might have done in your life and through your life. So whatever your next step is, take it. Whatever your next step is, Take it. Just come back next week for some of you. For some of you, it's time to get in a circle and get some questions answered. For others of you, it's that one thing and you know God wants you to do with it. For others of you, it's like, God, no more messing around. Take my life. And if you make that decision, you'll be glad you did. If you don't, you will wish you had. But even in wishing you had, you'll never know what God might have done in you what God might have done in your family, through your kids, what God might have done in your finances, what God might have done through you professionally. So whatever your next step is in following Jesus, take it. You will never, ever regret that decision. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you very much for preserving these stories for all these 2,000 years. Father, thank you for the courage of Peter that day. And Father, for every single one of us, wherever this lands with us, would you give each of us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. And Father, for every single person who this week is gonna take that step, I pray that you would show up almost in tangible ways to mark and to affirm that it was in fact you tugging on their heart. It was in fact you elbowing them in the conscience. That it was in fact you who placed that thought, that challenge in their heart, and that you would no longer be generally the master, but you would become our personal Lord. You would no longer be God who's somewhere out there, but you would become our heavenly Father as we take a step to follow you. So again, give us eyes to see this the way that you see us. Give us the courage to take that step. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you take Andy's challenge of continuing to follow wherever you're at, whatever place you are at. If it's a place where you're just checking out this whole Christianity thing and we'll just keep on coming week after week. Or maybe for some of you, maybe you've put your faith in Christ and you've never been baptized. Well, next week we are having a baptism on July 27th at 5 p.m. And we would love for you to come out, sign up online at the sign up tab and um, come on out and we'll celebrate you getting baptized and basically just going external with the inward decision that you've made about Christ. And then as Andy mentioned, uh, for some of you, you need to just jump into some of our community groups or some of our small group environments. And so in September, we're going to be offering Starting Point, and we'd love for everyone uh, to go through Starting Point. And so maybe that's the decision you need to make. And so go online and let us know if that's your heart's desire to do that as well. And then 
every week we always offer our spiritual growth challenge. And so if you would stop by our connection center, take the spiritual growth challenge, which is just simply going deeper with the message for that week, looking up other passages and just asking God simply, what is that next step that you have for me? And so you can always get that at the connection center or online at theepicchurch.com. Well, my name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. I just have a few things before we take off. Uh, Last night, our first team from Guatemala got back. They got back about 11 p.m. Yep. So they did an amazing job of representing you guys and representing God. And so talk to some team members. They're here this week. Uh, Check out Facebook and see what they did. And then our second team's going to be leaving in two weeks. And then we'll have a service where we're going to debrief what happened and hear some great stories of what happened on those trips. So we'd love for you to attend that uh, later on in August. Um, And then also, if you are new to Epic, we would love to meet you. Please stop by our Connection Center. If you have questions about Epic, we'd love to get plugged in. Uh, There's someone there who would love to help you do that. Uh, And then also, if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through giving boxes located at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here today, and we will see you next week. Say hi to somebody before you take off.